0: Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
2: You are Locked On Washington football team, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
3: on the Washington football team with the Locked on Washington football team podcast. I am David Harrison, Washington football team beat writer SI.com's Fan Nation. He is Chris Russell, one half of the Russell and then her show on the Team 980 Monday through Friday from 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern. And you can also find that show and this show on the Odyssey app. We thank you for making the Locked on Washington football team podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And we're also on Twitter at Russellmania621 at dharrison eighty two and at locked WFT pod in week four of the 2021 NFL season, the Washington football team defeated the Atlanta Falcons 34 to 30. A familiar sight began the game. However, as the Falcons opened the scoring on their first drive this time with a field goal, though, not a touchdown. So a little bit of improvement there, a young way coop kick made it three, nothing Falcons early on in this game before Washington got on the board themselves. Atlanta quarterback, Matt Ryan found running back Cordero Patterson for a 42 yard touchdown giving the bad guys a 10-0 lead at the time. The next two scores belonged to the Washington football team, however, and after a 33-yard touchdown pass to wide receiver Terry McLaurin and a two-yard scoring run by running back Antonio Gibson, the Burgundy and Gold held a 13-10 lead. Before the half, Atlanta got another touchdown from Patterson, his second of the day, and went into halftime with a 17-13 lead over your Washington football team. The Falcons lead wouldn't last long, though. DeAndre Carter, Chris's guy, DeAndre Carter brought back the opening second half kickoff 101 yards for a big Washington touchdown, regaining the lead just 13 seconds into the third quarter. Patterson scored his third touchdown of the game for the Falcons on another pass from quarterback Matt Ryan, flipping the lead back to Atlanta 23-19. Kicker Dustin Hopkins had missed two extra points earlier in the game, but made his 21-yard field goal try to bring Washington closer. And after a terrible penalty call on defense, end, Chase that I'm sure we will discuss, Atlanta scored again on a seven-yard run by running back Mike Davis. That score gave Atlanta an eight-point lead and would be the final score of the game for Ryan and the home team. With just under four minutes remaining in the game, Heineke threw up a desperation prayer, which was answered by Terry McLaurin for a 17-yard touchdown. The score and subsequent failed two-point conversion left the game 30-28, to with Atlanta still holding on to a slim lead. Washington's defense forced its second three and out of the game on the subsequent drive, and with a minute 47 left in the game, Heineke led his offense back on the field, down two with two timeouts in his back pocket. Seven plays and 76 yards later, the Washington football team was celebrating a go-ahead score after running back J.D. McKissick took a broken play throw from Heineke and ran it the rest of the 30 yards needed, taking off from about four yards out for the eventual game-winning score. Atlanta got the ball back with 33 seconds. But wasn't able to find any late game magic, and your Washington football team advanced to two and two, beating the Atlanta Falcons 34-30. The Falcons now fall to one and three after the first four games of the NFL season. Chris, insane is a is a way to describe this game. Uh, before we dive deep into our Washington analysis, our immediate analysis of this game from a Washington standpoint, what are your thoughts? On the Atlanta Falcons, the opponent, did they meet your expectations or did you see something different than what you expected coming into the weekend?
0: Well, I, I, no, I I think they were, I think they were better than what I anticipated um, overall, not necessarily on defense, although there was, you know, some moments where I thought they were a little feisty on defense, David. I mean, who would have thought Cordell Patterson? I I mean, I love Cordell Patterson. always have he was overdrafted but he's the ideal switch played gadget type weapon who can actually play football and I would have never thought he would have three touchdowns in this game and yet boom there he was and there he has Matt Ryan is about what I expected I think Matt Ryan is um you know, a veteran quarterback who's won a lot of games, who still has a strong arm, who has more mobility than people give him credit for. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, Matt Ryan is about what I thought he was. Uh, I wasn't as down on him as seemingly others uh, coming into this game or coming into this week. I, then again, I don't blame everything on the quarterback. Um, and, and a lot of people do. Um, and I would say this. Uh, Fabian Moreau still hasn't figured out how to play corner in the NFL. So nothing has changed mm. in that regard. Uh, Terry Fontenot, Kyle Smith and Arthur Smith have, you know, certainly their were cut out for them. Uh, and of course, figuring out what to do with Matt Ryan after this year is going to be interesting.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, there was, there was talks and maybe a little bit of desire. I don't know how much of it came out of the Falcons organization, but a lot of people thought uh, that Atlanta might try to trade Matt Ryan. At some point during the offseason, of course, that cap number and that penalty, the dead penalty uh, that they would there, the dead cap penalty that the Falcons would have incurred if they traded him before this season uh, was was massive, a lot bigger than the one that they they took with Julio Jones. And next year, it's not going to be a whole lot smaller. It'll be smaller, but not a whole lot smaller. So definitely his future is is going to be in question and interesting. And you talk about Cordero Patterson, and, and I'll tell you, this is my second time uh, covering a game that the Atlanta Falcons played in because they played the Buccaneers uh, already this season. Uh, going back to week two, if yep. I remember correctly. Yep. Uh, and that's something that Aaron Freeman, host of the Locked On Falcons podcast, he and I talked about Cordero Patterson. He and I talked about Cordero Patterson again before this game. And in that game against the Buccaneers, he picked Patterson uh, as his player to watch for Bucks fans who, who maybe they don't expect a big influence from. Uh, and, and he delivered. Cordero did, uh, did a lot of good things. Coming into this game, Aaron wanted to see Cordero Patterson get more involved in the receiving game and the passing game than he did in the rushing game thought he was maybe being used as a traditional running back a little bit too much. Uh, wanted to see him more as a receiving running back and he absolutely got his wish. I mean, five catches, 82 yards, three touchdowns. He still had six carries for 34 yards. So Cordero Patterson proving uh, to be quite the versatile weapon for this Atlanta Falcons uh, offense. Granted, you know, again, falling to one and three now. So not a lot of success tied to that versatility, but for for a, for a team that was expected to, to lean on Mike Davis rather heavily in the running game and in the offense, uh, really it's been Cordero Patterson. This is two games now. So, I mean, I don't see it going away anytime soon, but I think that people who didn't anticipate it coming into it, definitely shocked and surprised. Uh, You talk about Matt Ryan, 25 for 42 on on the day, 283 yards passing, uh, four touchdowns, 111.5 quarterback rating, and matches up pretty pretty equally actually to uh, to what Taylor Heineke was able to do. So we'll, we'll talk about Taylor here. Uh, in just a minute but i thought the atlanta falcons came out very hard fought you know still have no interceptions that atlanta falcons defense still has no interceptions on the season only got to taylor heineke one time that mobility much more on display this week than they were last week so a uh, good fight from the atlanta falcons you know i think they're better than their one in three record shows at the end of the day and again having seen them twice i can i can give a little bit more of a thorough uh opinion on that than than some people can um, but still, you know, a lot of answers to be left uh, to, or a lot of questions left to be answered on both sides of the ball. But I mean, you got to agree. It's a lot easier going back to the drawing board, trying to turn to figure things out when you're two and two than when you're one and four.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, and just one quick last thought on the Falcons. You know, David, I, I mean, look, uh, they won a game at the buzzer the week before uh, on the road against a desperate Giants team. So I, I did not think this was going to be, you know, easy. In any way, shape, or form, we know about Washington's defensive struggles. I think they continuously exposed Washington on the defensive uh, side of the ball throughout this game, especially on the back end. We're going to get into it all uh, when we talk about the defense. There's no doubt about that. Uh, this Falcons team will have better days. I will say this your point about no touch, uh, no interceptions, they sure did come close. They sure did come close. And there were a couple of throws that Taylor Heineke, you know, just simply look as, as much as Taylor Heineke is a magician. And we'll talk about all of that. He also has two or three, I guess, what PFF would deem turnover worthy plays per game, Mm -hmm. because there are just some balls that the Falcons and any defense should have picked off. Uh, And haven't and didn't. And that goes back to pretty much all four games this year. So, uh, but we're focusing on this particular game. The Falcons had an opportunity to turn the ball over a couple of times and they did not. Uh, And maybe that's just good old fashioned luck. Maybe that's just Taylor Heineke getting away with one or two or three. Who knows? But the bottom line is, if they were better at turning the ball over, we'd be talking about a loss. All right, this is the Locked On Washington football team podcast, along with David Harrison, I'm Chris Russell, and we are here for Get Upside. That's right, Get Upside is an incredible app that everyone who buys gas, which is you and you and you and me and David, that you all need to know about. Our listeners are making up to $0.25 cents per gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. It's that easy. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus 25% per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to $0.50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using get Upside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN. You'll get 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. If you're driving a lot, if you have to go into Washington, D.C., if you have to go an hour or so on your commute each way, you're going to make as much as two to $300 per month in cash back. And there's no catch. The cash gets added right back to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e gift card for Amazon and other brands. Christmas is coming soon. So you may want to keep that in mind. Just download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code Touchdown to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank that's code touchdown code touchdown get upside out
2: is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements maybe it's time for a rebuild or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the lombardi trophy either way join keith sanchez and damian parson for mock draft monday on the locked on nfl draft podcast They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All
0: right, thanks for making the Locked On Washington Football Team Podcast your first listen to every day. We're free and available on all platforms. Along with David Harrison, I'm Chris Russell reacting to a 34-30 win for the Washington football team in Atlanta on Sunday, David. They host the New Orleans Saints and Jameis Winston coming up this Sunday at FedEx Field. New Orleans losing in overtime to Saquon Barkley and the New York Giants in their first game back at the Superdome in NOLA. So they'll be certainly a little bit angry coming to FedEx field. Now, as far as what we saw from an offensive perspective, I mean, obviously you start with Terry McLaurin, right? Uh, On the receiving end. And of course the guy who's throwing it to him, uh, which is Taylor Heineke. Terry, I, Look, I, David, I mean, the first touchdown on Sunday, which they desperately needed, it was after that miscommunication bomb uh, to um, uh, to Corderell Patterson, and they're down 10 to nothing, and boom, they come back quick strike, and Heineke throws a seed after making a couple of shaky throws um, earlier in that drive, and he throws an absolute seed Uh, In the corner of the end zone, in between cover two, the safety's late rotating over, the corner gets beat by Terry. I mean, it's a great route, great catch, great throw, although, you know, again, just a hair late, and without having a rocket for an arm, maybe that ball gets picked off, but it doesn't, so you give Taylor Heineke credit to me. That woke everybody up, and then they quickly take the lead. And, of course, they gave it back, and the game was wild and crazy. But then that second touchdown to McLaurin, which gives them initially the lead, boy, I, you know, to me, that's more on – I mean, Taylor obviously makes a great play running around, scrambling around, uh, and, and, and and keeping it alive. I I, I, I get that. I'm totally with him on all that. The Houdini stuff is, is just a part of his game. But mm-hmm. to me, that's ta- that's Terry McLaurin, David, um, fighting back for a ball that was way underthrown, uh, that quite honestly was a dangerous lollipop throw. And Terry McLaurin rips off his coverage and he slips and he still fights for the football and still comes up with the touchdown catches, second of the game. They didn't cash in on the two point conversion, but to me, that's what this game is all about. I know there's other stuff, which I'm sure you'll get into, but to me, it's all about Terry McLaurin. Uh, and yes, Taylor Heineke is a big part of that, but McLaurin saved their bacon today.
3: Yeah, I mean, six catches on 13 targets, 123 yards, two touchdowns today for Terry McLaurin. And if he's on your fantasy roster like he is mine, you are very, very happy with that outcome. Uh, look, you know, very well put by you on, on Taylor and and Terry McLaurin and what they mean to each other on the field. And look, I I tweeted it from the Locked on Watch Football Team Podcast Twitter page uh, during the game multiple times, honestly. And it's just late throws, high throws, sometimes at the same time. Uh, You know, they're late in the game. You you saw a throw basically thrown in the dirt. I think he was just trying to adjust on that and just basically basically overcorrected. And those are the kinds of things, guys. You know, uh, we I don't want to say criticism, you know, because it's not really criticism. But, like, we've... We've received, you know, feedback from people from time to time that maybe we're not as rah-rah fan, you know, as, as maybe some people want. And and there are plenty of good fan podcasts out there in the Washington football team stratosphere. This is not, you know, a fan-based, you know, we're not here just to be fans. We're here to deliver uh, information and analysis from, you know, a media standpoint. We both, uh, I think you obviously more than I have, but we both have, have been in scrums, been in press conference. Like, we, we cover the teams from a from a more impartial standpoint. Uh, angle and that's kind of why this is important because if you don't if you don't bring impartiality into it what do you see you see taylor heineke completed all the 10 passes on the on this night he threw for 290 yards 10 yards shy of 300 three touchdowns no interceptions 127.1 qbr chris what could you possibly want more from this guy well what you need is accuracy and what you need is accuracy on a consistent basis yeah that pass was great but like you said if Eric Harris at Falcon safety is not late on rotating over uh, in his coverage and whatever caused him to stay inside more, uh, it definitely wasn't, Taylor on Heineke. Whatever he saw from the from the play call and the formation is what kept him inside. If he breaks earlier on that ball, it's at at worst case, or best case, it's broken up. At worst case, it's intercepted uh, there in the end zone, and an opportunity to score uh, is left. You saw the overthrow early on in the game. Terry McClure wide open on a third down that could have extended that drive, given their second first down of their first drive of the game. He overthrows that because he's trying to be a little too finesse with some of these things. And then you talk about the arm strength, like Taylor Heineke, you know, you can work on arm strength as a quarterback uh, here and there, but for the most part, your arm strength kind of is what it is. And when you have limited arm strength, you can't be late on throws. Like Patrick Mahomes can be late all day because he's got a bazooka on his shoulder. You know what I mean? Taylor Heineke, you don't have that. So you the, the intelligent or the, the intellectual part of this game is that much more important. The reading, Uh, properly reading the coverage, diagnosing where your routes are going to be within the defense to get the throws out on time. And you saw it with uh, Terry McLaurin, throwing every T name out there but Terry. You saw it with Terry McLaurin there at one point. He went up. Eric Harris almost picked off another ball. Eric Harris probably could have had three interceptions in the game if he could catch, but that's why he's a defender, not not an offensive player. And Terry McLaurin came down really hard and was shaken up, was walked to the sideline by the trainers, that's kind of the, the kind of the stuff that we've been talking about since week one that concerns us with what uh, Taylor Heineke is doing with these weapons. He's putting his receivers a lot more often than you want him to in very hazardous situations. And in a game like this one where we had a lot of players lead this game with injuries, hopefully they're not, you know, standing injuries and, and don't bleed over in the next weekend against the New Orleans Saints. That's the kind of thing you need your quarterback to clean up. So week after week, that's going to be the first thing I'm looking for from Taylor Heineke. But for this week... Two ninety three touchdowns, no interceptions. Let's celebrate that for what it is. It's over. And for the most part, uh, it looks like most of your weapons at least got out without serious injury. Again, we'll have to wait for more reports coming out in the week. But, Chris, let's flip over the defense. I don't think we can be as encouraged uh, by this defensive uh, performance. It was it was called a get right game, right? Either the Falcons were going to get right or Washington was going to get right. And I'll ask you this question as you go into your defensive analysis. Did either team get right in this one, even though Washington came out with the win? David, I think the Falcons' offense
0: sort of got right, um, I think, but I don't know if that carries over and translates over to their next game or the next month or what have you. Here's what I know about the Washington football defense: they didn't get right. There is no get right when it comes to this defense right now. That's zero for four. You know, we we would call call that you know, uh, uh, what, taking the collar or whatever in in, in baseball, like if you're 0 for 4 at the plate uh, with four strikes, you know, four strikeouts, that's what this defense is. I understand they got completely and totally screwed on the Chase Young play. Listen, we can scream about that for an hour. That's going to take more time than we probably have on this episode. It was a terrible, terrible call. And, yes, they shouldn't have ultimately given up the seven points on that drive that they did. Uh, again, that's part of this. I understand. it would look a lot better if that did not happen. But that being said, time and time and time again on the first quarter l Patterson um, touchdown, the the forty two yard bomb, there's a miscommunication between the free safety coming down and trying to cover and bite on Kyle Pitts on a crosser over the middle and William Jackson the third after a linebacker passes, um Cordarell Patterson off to William Jackson the third. WJ3 passes him off to the safety that isn't there. So once again, bad communication, uh mm-hmm. bad you know whatever you want to call it, it ain't working. It's not working. And Again, we can sit here and scream about bad officiating and bad calls all we want. That was just one play. I mean, I remember the the second quarter L. Patterson touchdown. Landon Collins comes from the other side, David, from a two-deep shell, and he's got to make a tackle at the seven-yard line. Why? You've got to. You don't cover anybody. Please tackle, and he doesn't. And then on the third quarter L. Patterson touchdown, I think it was – John Bostic missed a tackle at like the six yard line and then three other guys missed tackles. So, I mean, all, all things being said, listen, there is, not a lot good that you can take from this defensive performance. Again, they were terrible on third down. Sure, they made a big play and a big stop on a third and nine late. Got it. I'm not saying they did nothing. They did something, but it was very little big picture, very little good and a lot of bad. And that's just that that's just the narrative right now.
3: Yeah. I mean, I would say I would call it a half step forward. You know what I mean? Like that's that's pretty much all I'm willing to give is a half step forward. And yeah, that penalty, the penalty was, was terrible. It was horrible. It was one of the worst. And it's one of those penalties that makes you wish the NFL actually has some transparency about their officiating, but they don't, they're not going to answer for it. They're not going to give anybody any answers. So all you can do is complain about it the way that we did on Twitter and then move on from, it. because at the end of the day, you know, maybe you can hang three points on that call. I'll, I'll give you that. You can hang three points on that call, but you definitely can't hang. Uh, the other four, or the other three, I can't remember. if That's when they went for the two. I Whatever think it was. I think it was. From I touchdown. think it was,
0: David. I think they ultimately netted yeah. six on that drive. But your your
3: point yeah. your point is served. Yeah, so I'll let you. I'll let you hang three points on that on that call if you want to. But the rest of it, I mean, you gave up thirty points to this team. There, there's another twenty seven that have to be mm-hmm. accounted for. Chase Young still no sacks. Should have been a sack. And just real quick, I'll throw this out there to all the people out in the Twitter sphere. Yes, Chase Young absolutely should have wrapped up Matt Ryan for that sack absolutely terrible. And, and trust me, his coaches are going to give him an earful uh, about that form or lack of form on that sack attempt. I don't know where that came from. I was surprised when I saw it live and I was surprised every single time I saw it on replay, uh, but it is what it is. But yeah, they got to clean up some of this stuff because you thought Cordero Patterson did damage against the defense. You got Alvin Kamara mm-hmm. coming up uh, next week. You got Ty Montgomery coming up next week. You got Marquez Calloway coming up. You got Deontay Harris coming up. So you talk about an offense that is built to go deep and then you got Jameis Winston, who is one of the most, Prolific gamblers in NFL history, and also has a cannon for an arm. If you bite on these double moves, these crossing routes, is underneath stuff, you are going to get worked by this New Orleans Saints offense. Don't uh, don't think just because it's Jameis and it's funny and it's thirty for thirty and it's eating the W's and all that stuff that this is not an offense. I can put some points up in a hurry because they absolutely can if this Washington defense does not come in with some respect for the Saints offense next week. Uh, But we're going to have to watch that action. We have to see how they come through the rest of the week, because at the end of the day, that's all we can do is sit back and hope that the coach staff, the players get this thing put on track. And when you do that, you're going to watch that game. Most likely you're going to watch it on one device. Meanwhile, you're going to be streaming your favorite show on a different device or program. And then you're going to watch highlights somewhere else, probably on your phone. Then your neighbor's going to hook you up with their best friends, login for everything else. Well, I'm going to tell you right now about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love, without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. And it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place. I'll tell you right now, I watched the today's Washington football team game on my Direct TV account. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at DirectTV.com. That's DirectTV.com compatible device required content varies by package. Let me
0: ask you guys this. You like cookie dough? I love cookie dough. Who doesn't love cookie dough? Everyone loves cookie dough or everyone should love cookie dough. Well, our friends at Built Bar have made a limited time flavor and it's absolutely out of this world. It's called cookie dough chunk. And it's just one of the cool things about built.com and the Built Bar family. They have so many delicious flavors, again, plus the occasional limited time flavor, as we're telling you about with Cookie Dough Chunk. No matter what flavor you like or sample, you're probably going to love. I mean, I have so many uh, that I like. David loves the mint brownie, but there's others on his uh, menu that he'll peruse as we get samples. And I've been a built bar customer for several years uh, as well. Even when uh, we don't get the free samples, I'm buying my built bars from built.com. Why? Because they're high in protein, low in calories, low in sugar, low in net carbs. Replace that fattening, terrible for you bowl of ice cream and have a built bar late at night after a workout for breakfast perfect meal replacement. Order now at builtbar.com or built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order at LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com.
3: To wrap it up this immediate analysis episode of the Lots on Washington Football Team podcast following a 34 to 30 win for your Washington Football Team advancing to 2 and 2 on the season dropping the Falcons one and three. I'm David Harrison. He is Chris Russell on Twitter. You can find us at d Harrison82 at WrestleMania621 and at Locks WFT Pod. And Chris, the segment we get into our plays and our players of the game. And my play of the game, I might be stealing yours because you already kind of talked about it a little bit. It's that 17-yard touchdown catch by Terry McLaurin. And yes, that's how I worded it. And I'm wording it that way for a very specific reason because that throw should have never been made. You talk about throws, you talk about those quarterback and Taylor Heineken and some of the things that he does. Uh, that are that are amazing and impressive. I was glad to see. Uh, I was happy to see him running more this week, uh, Chris. Honestly, than he did against Buffalo. I don't know if that was a coaching thing. I don't know if that was internal to him but he just kind of decided last weekend uh, against the Bills that he didn't want to run as much. He wanted to rely on his arm, or if it was Scott Turner or whoever who told him to stay in the pocket more. Who, whatever it was, it looks like that part at least of this equation got fixed because Taylor was taking the smart angles when he could, taking the runs when they were there and available, getting down. And I know. There was a couple times like he slid like two yards from the marker and everything else. And I get all that, but you know what, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'd rather have my quarterback sliding two yards ahead of the first down marker than getting the hit and picking up the first down, because that's how you end up with an injured quarterback on the sideline, especially guy that's got that's got injury history. Um, so that's all I'm gonna say about, it. I mean, obviously the preference, right, is the guy who gets the first down and avoids the contact. But if you can't have that, so you've got to have one or the other, take the quarterback that survives to play another down versus the one that gives up his body and eventually his career to get a couple of first downs. But Terry McLaurin saving his quarterback on there, fighting off defensive pass interference. Shout out to that official for letting those guys play because honestly, I mean, Terry McLaurin was getting mugged in the back of the end zone there, separates himself from contact, the the DB goes down. He says, you know what, that's a football play. You're both doing it, so I'm gonna let the, the, the best, the strongest man win. Terry McLaurin wins, brings in 17 yard touchdown at the time uh, because of the failed two point conversion made it 30 to 28 Atlanta could have very easily been an interception. And before anybody says, you know, listen, crunch time, it was first down guys. It was first down. All right. So you don't want to say necessarily eat the sack, but if you can't throw the ball away, eat the sack in that situation, come back, live another down 80% of the time. That's what you're telling the quarterback to do. It worked out that way. If you watch the replay, you could see it on Taylor Heineke's face when he threw that ball, he knew he was in trouble. Yeah. He knew he was going to get talked to on the sideline about that throw. But he also got a little bit of a smirk. He's like, yeah, but it worked. You know, it worked, coach. So, I mean, what do you want from me? Look, you can't make that throw. I'm happy it worked out well. It's the play of the game, but it's because of Terry McLaurin.
0: Yeah, and and for me, I'm going to, you know, I, I really battled between, for my play of the game, the DeAndre Carter 101-yard kickoff return for a touchdown, which – Oh, by the way, was awesome. Right up the middle, John Bates with a tremendous block to, uh, you know, I mean, he just absolutely annihilated one of the Atlanta Falcons, which sprung the final, you know, 50 or so yards of that kick return. But ultimately, David, I went with the J.D. McKissick touchdown late on that final scoring drive. Another go ahead scoring drive, touchdown drive for Taylor Heineke. That's both on the year. Um, because it was a broken play again. You look at the formation, you look at the design, you look at the intent of that play, it's all to go to the left of Taylor Heineke. And he scrambles ultimately to his left and receivers are flooding that zone area and they're trying Mm -hmm. to get there. And he doesn't like what he sees. And after, I don't know, four or five different reads and, or, Oh, 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 Oh (laughs) yeah. Here, here's where I want to go. He swings back to the right and finds his check down his hot, whatever, whatever, Uh, J.D. McKissick was, and he gets J.D. McKissick on, you know, again, what you would consider a dangerous throw, right? You don't want to throw back across your body, across the field. He did it. It ultimately was a safe enough pass, I guess is what I would say. McKissick grabs it, breaks a tackle, springs himself forward. Turns on the burners and leaps across the end zone line. I don't know why it took so long to review it, but it did. I don't care. That play obviously gives Washington the thirty-four uh, to to thirty lead because, of course, why, why figure could you know? They, of course, they couldn't get the two point conversion. Um, so. <laughs> because they needed it because of Dustin Hopper. Anyway, long story, that's going to be something we're going to talk about uh, this week. But J.D. McKissick's touchdown (laughs) from 30 yards from Taylor Heineke, that one the quarterback does have a lot of of input and say in it. It's not just a J.D. McKissick thing, uh, more like the the, the Terry McLaurin touchdown that you just talked about. Uh, For my player of the game, being that I kind of screwed DeAndre Carter, for lack of a better term, I'm going to give it to him for the 101-yard kickoff return. Now, listen, I understand he didn't do much else besides that, but he had a key 24-yard catch over the middle. I think it was on that final drive. So much happened uh, on that – yeah, it was on that final drive, David – to set up the Heineke scramble and touchdown in McKissick that we were just talking about. So it's not just a 101 yard kick return. It's that 24 yard catch across the middle, right around midfield, Deandre Carter, uh, who, you know, yeah. Okay. I was high on a little bit. I was high on Dax Milm. Both of them made the roster. Only one's been active so far. Milm hasn't really been. Deandre Carter is a guy that this team desperately needs. And he's my player of the game.
3: Yeah, look, if you if you weren't going to take him, I was going to take him and I was hoping you weren't because then I could differentiate a little bit of what I'm saying here, but I got to go Terry McLaurin again, you know, veteran wide receiver, young veteran wide receiver, but he's already he's playing like a veteran wide receiver. He's not an old guy by any means, but he's making veteran type plays, making smart decisions. He had the one catch that, you know, it turns out being an incomplete pass, could have been a fumble, it was very close. I think that's one of those plays uh, that's basically going to stand the way that it's called on the field. So fortunately for Washington, for Terry, it was called an incomplete pass on the field. Same thing with the JD McKissick touchdown. I think that's one of those plays. There's just no angle for those types of things. So whatever is called on the field is basically going to stand because there's no irrefutable evidence uh, as as they require. And, you know, again, bailing out your quarterback, making some other plays. uh, Terry's just proving to be kind of that safety net for Taylor Heineke in this game because when Logan Thomas left in the first quarter, um, it was, it was very concerning as who is he going to lean on, you know, Curtis Samuel was in the game, but you kind of tell it was going to be sparing. And they talked about pitch counts and all that stuff. And you don't want to stretch it out too much too late or too early rather in the, in the, in his return. I'm impressed that he played at all, to be quite honest with you. Um, but Terry coming up with six catches, I mean, you know, it's 13 targets, six catches, not even a 50% catch rate. You obviously want to see it bigger than that, but two touchdowns. I mean, the plays that he did make the plays he was able to make, giving up his body, going out there and putting it all on the line for his teammates. think it shows why he's wearing a C on his chest, and it shows why he's one of the, the most uh, sought-after up-and-coming wide receivers in the National Football League.
0: No doubt about it. I mean, Terry McLaurin is the Washington football teams for right now.
3: He's in year and, uh he's he's got – he's an Ohio State Buckeye, and I've got two Ohio State Buckeye helmets sitting to my there right. There you go. Right on my desk, so.
0: There you go. All <laughs> right, guys, we're going to have more, obviously, throughout the week, including your voicemails at 301-615-3577. Get them in now, 301-615-3577. We'll be able to be – Uh, voicemail heavier if you will uh, during the week when we have a little bit more time but we want to thank everybody for making today's episode of locked on washington football team podcast your first listen of the day make sure you come back tomorrow as we dive a little bit deeper and share our in-depth takeaways from this week for wft win now make your second listen of the day the peacock and williamson nfl show p brian peacock and former nfl scout Matt Williamson, give you expert analysis on the National Football League. In less than 30 minutes, it's free and available on all platforms. Again, the voicemail 301-615-3577, 301-615-3577. If you're a little shy, uh, you want to email lockwftpod at gmail.com. Don't forget us to leave your name. Leave your name if you leave us a voicemail or an email, for that matter. That's going to do it for us today, Washington football team fans. Thanks again for joining us. Again, we are free and available on all platforms. For my partner David Harrison, he's covering the Washington Football Team for SI.com's Fan Nation. I'm Chris Russell, one half of the Russell and Medhurst Show on the flagship station for the Washington Football Team, the Team 980 with Pete Medhurst from three to seven. We'll be back later this week with another episode and much, much more right here on the Locked On Washington Football Team podcast.